What's up, y'all? This is Chitty Bang, and I'm on the Renegade Millionaire Show, the podcast that profiles entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs. Join us as we go one-on-one inside the hearts and minds of some of our generation's best and brightest. And now, introducing your host, my friend, Sun Group Wealth Partners Managing Director, CNBC and Forbes.com contributor, Winnie Sun. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. I've been reading your background and uh, learning more about you, and I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Great, Winnie. Happy to be here. Great. Wonderful. Well, you know, I want to start off with, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with your work. You, you are coming to us from Denver today? Exactly. The Mile High City. Oh, wonderful. And I, I'm, I'm sure the weather's not too bad in Denver today. You know, the skiers are really happy. Lots of snow out here, sunshine, so it's a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, you would, you would know that as an, an, with an outdoors perspective, right? That's why we're here, not by accident. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I, I know that your background, if I read right, so your father played a big role in your early development, and he was a man I read of very few words. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my dad was a World War II vet, and and uh, he went through a lot of things in World War II. So, you know, he uh, you, you could tell by body language as much as anything else when and nothing was tougher than that stern look. So, yeah, he's uh, he's quite a guy. He was a baton death march survivor, actually. So, pretty amazing story. It's a pretty amazing story, and he had like his own story of survival and going through some intense heat. I read and uh, barely making out of there. Yeah, he was uh, he was one of what was called the Janesville ninety nine, which was a town in southern Wisconsin where they sent ninety nine soldiers to the Pacific Theater. He was one of thirty that came back. The rest uh, died in captivity or were killed in battle. So it was a it was a tough tough struggle. Wow, that's incredible. No wonder yeah. he didn't have too much to share with you after that. That must have been very challenging. Yeah, you know he uh, he he loved the good stories when people would help him as fellow soldiers and things like that. But when it came to the nitty-gritty, he didn't really so much want to talk about it, which really wasn't unusual for a lot of those vets. They, they just didn't really want to go there. I think they, you know, they, they had no more tears to give, and, and uh, you know, so they would compartmentalize that part of their life and focus forward. And, and uh, yet he never held any animosity towards the Japanese, which I always thought was, was pretty extraordinary. Yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. My own family, I remember, my, my grandfather, if we came home with a Sony TV, he would shed tears. So mm -hmm. I remember that quite quite vividly, that we weren't allowed to bring Japanese products home while he was alive. Um, well, share with me a little bit. I mean, now you are the co-founder and owner of Orion, which is huge, and you've developed numerous uh, top-performing television shows on the outdoors, and not only that, I mean, previous to that, you were always very successful in publishing. So maybe we could start there, and let's talk about your publishing background and what got you interested in all things survivor-related um, and the outdoors. You know, I, I, uh, I guess I'm kind of a recovering magazine editor, as you say. I, I still love ink and paper, still love print. But it was very obvious about 15 to 20 years ago when I was running magazines that so much of the dollars, the advertising dollars, were going into digital and going into television. It's really only accelerated in the last few years, as you know. And, and so it, it became pretty obvious when we launched a branded series around some of these magazines 
when I saw the advertising dollars go to those branded television series, but not the magazine, same brand, same titles, different platform, said, you know, maybe there's a business opportunity here. I'm not the brightest guy in the, in the world, but when I could see all that money going into digital and television, I said, maybe we should found a company. So I found a partner and a minority partner. We launched the company 15, 16 years ago now. Wow. And it's been uh, it's been great. We've got about 130 employees in Denver and about another 200 or so regular contractors around the country. I think we're doing now 19 or 20 series on a dozen different networks. So it's been a good run. Yeah, it's, I, I would say that's a pretty huge run. So because a lot of people want to do what you've done, but very few have accomplished that. So when you saw the advertising dollars going towards digital, I mean, there's a lot of people, very successful people in publishing. Um, and a lot of people see those ad dollars going, but very few actually decide to make the leap from employee to entrepreneur. So you talk about a little bit, one of the advantages of owning your own business is you have your own hours. So how did you how did you go from working on publishing, doing the grind, uh, and starting our business. What are some of the challenges when you first started? Yeah, well, being able to set your own schedule and you own your own business, right, means you can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So it's, you know, it's uh, it's amazing how much harder you work when you're working for yourself, as, as I'm sure you know and many of your viewers know. Uh, but there's also a different level of satisfaction. I think if you love what you do, what was the George Burns line? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But it's really true. And I think uh, you know it's daunting though. It's when you launch out and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this." Uh, you know, I think for some people that just have an idea and say, "I'm gonna launch a business," it's different than it was for me because for me, I was in business. I had a lot of relationships already in an industry that. That I knew very well, I'd grown up in, and, and helped place some of these people in various jobs. So it was very kind of organic and seamless for me to say, "Let's do a branded television business where we focus on these kinds of shows." And that became the baseline of growing this company early on. And now, in the last three to four years, we've really focused on mainstream cable and this love affair of the outdoors that Americans have from New York to Chicago to Los Angeles is really now manifest in a lot of different television shows and different concepts and it's it's not just survival it's it's nuanced kind of stuff we do a we do a building Alaska series I think it's in its seventh season now on DIY which has spawned a lot of sort of copycats on other networks as well but it's just the fascination I think that people have and in the big cities looking at and people that have real hands-on gritty skill sets. They can they can cut down a tree, they can make a cabin out of that, they can catch fish, they can go hunt, they can stay warm, they can build fires, you know, all those things that are sort of lost in modern society. So I think when somebody is in a in an urban environment and watches that on television, they look at it and they say, those people might as well be on the moon. I, right. I have no idea how they could possibly do that anymore. Right. So it's that connection sort of blue state, red state, coastal heartland thing that, that's really working in television. Yes, absolutely. I mean, your shows are addicting. I know my husband and kids can't keep the channel off of them. So obviously there's a huge need. And we, actually, it's interesting that you say that because as we get busier with our day-to-day -day traditional lives, when we look at what you produce on television, it's almost an outlet. Because although we don't want to be one of them, it's wonderful to see that challenge and to know that we don't have to go through that at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. That's the beauty of the medium, right? It's such a vicarious medium that it, you can journey to a lot of parts of the world. You can meet a lot of folks. And, and maybe you don't have a dialogue with them, but you feel like you know them through the, through the medium, the power of the video medium. It's, uh, it's just unsurpassed. doesn't matter the platform. The video medium really is the, 
the universal donor of content. Yeah, like maybe we could talk about some of your shows because I love Tiny House, Big Living. I mean, I think it's just such a smart, but you have so many shows I've done well. You talked about Building Alaska, Tiny House, Big Living, uh, Living Big Sky. Maybe you could share with a few others. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think there's generally, when we develop Winnie, we're kind of thinking about what are big themes that are happening out there? What are, what are big movements, big trends that are sort of maybe not underground but aren't commonly covered in media, aren't talked about a lot, but people are just doing it. And certainly I think that that sense of self-reliance right now is enormous. Uh, people people want to feel like they can they can survive, they can grow food, they can, you know, get off the, the toxic food supply and and uh, and grow their own vegetables, their own animals and, and hunt and fish and it's a big movement. I mean we've got an attorney that we work with in New York who's got chickens in his Manhattan Outside of his Manhattan apartment, I looked, I looked at so <laughs> yeah, so so that's going on all over the country. It's not just a region. I mean, it's coast to coast. It's urban. It's rural. So it's this big self reliance, and I think people just want certainty in uncertain times. That's what it really boils down to. So that sense of I'm worried about. I'm worried about the financial situation, national security, domestic security, all these things that are that are coming into play to make people a little nervous is leading to a manifestation of different kinds of lifestyle and certainly that self-reliance movement is is a big one so we're looking at that and in that you know you've got you've got the off the grid specials that we do where people are moving out and building someplace out in the wild and they've got their own power and their own water and they can source food and things like that so it's not it's not a doomsday prepper mentality at all it's a much bigger and broader concept than just that it's just this sense of I want my family to have food that that isn't full of hormones and right. and steroids and antibiotics and and my kids are sick. I don't know why my kids are sick. You know, asthma rates in this country are through the roof. They right. they weren't 30 years ago. Certainly, the food supply, the environmental factors are playing into that, and people intuitively kind of know that now. So we're seeing, you know, our, our series Living Big Sky is people moving to Montana, the last great place in the lower 48. And again, these are people oftentimes that are that are leaving big urban environments because they just want to get out. They want to get off the the, the treadmill and and off the uh, out of the whole environment to live a, a simpler life, you know. And I think it was Thoreau that said, "Simplify, simplify." Right? I think he could have said it once and got his point across. But he, <laughs> he uh, you know, that's really that that's getting into our other series like Tiny House, Big Living that you brought up. What a massive movement! I mean, who knew? I didn't know, frankly, but thankfully we've got some millennials around here that uh, they go, oh, yeah, everybody's doing this tiny house thing, and, and it's this massive phenomenon on television now, and people can't get enough, but it's not just millennials, it's also retirees, but it's kind of the new definition of the American dream. They don't want a big mortgage, they don't want to be saddled with debt, they want to be mobile, so there's a lot of things to it, and, and these are people that love to be outdoors as well. Right. And so again, this larger trend of answering the call of the wild, whether it's you know building off the grid or building in Alaska or moving to to Montana and living big sky, or it's a tiny house, you're going someplace in a in a beautiful setting. It's not about your physical building; it's about the place you're in right. and celebrating that. And Megadex is the series we do on DIY, which has been very very successful. Now, it's it's hard to view that as downsizing, but it is this sense of People want to extend the outdoors indoors, and they want this experience. They want this sense of, 
you know, there's the mountain and, and there's a water feature, there's a fire feature, there's something just about stepping outside. Even if you've got glass between you and the wind, it's still that sense of we're one inch closer to this outdoor experience. And there's something in our DNA, you know, there just is. We were, I'm talking about another concept uh, with three retired detectives, not really in this space at all, but just out of the blue, one of them said, you know, I'm really worried about how disconnected people are from each other. You know, they've got electronic devices and they don't talk. They don't have a relationship. It's through a, an electronic device. And, uh, and I'm worried about it because it's manifesting into some breakdowns in our society, you know, mm -hmm. crime and, and just behavioral issues that are, are abnormal from what we, we once were as a nation. So, yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's a thumbnail of kind of how we go about this business and, and I think what's really working well in television right now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about when you first started. I mean, a lot of people think that they want to start a production company, and you've been extremely successful at that. So where do you start? You found a minority partner, and what did you end up at the video store, and you bought yourself a camera? Like, how did you get started? <laughs> you start with a passion first and foremost, and then hopefully you've got a vision. Um, it's, I, I would say when we started 15 years ago, it was an awful lot easier to get into this business than it is right now. Right. It's a very competitive landscape. I think the reality TV business is is incredibly competitive. Every time you discover what you think is a big find out there, they say, yeah, you know, somebody just contacted us about a show just a few <laughs> weeks ago. I mean, oftentimes it comes down to a week or two late, you know, and right. so you're mining all the time those, those environments. But, you know, you've just got to have a resolve and believe in yourself. I think it's like any other business. The beauty of America is you have the right to succeed with your own business and you absolutely have the right to fail with your own business and most of them do. So I think you just have to be, you have to have a knowing, I think, that you're going to make this work, whatever it takes. And for us, I think it, it was one of those deals where it wasn't just sort of an epiphany one day. It was one of those things where we gradually, I moved gradually closer to, I should just do this. You know, I, I have the skill sets, I have the connections. The relationships with key players to make this work and uh, now's the time so that's how it worked for me so speaking of connections I mean you got some pretty fun friends too I hear you're very good friends with Jimmy Kimmel we, we did a show with Jimmy he's a lot of fun he's uh, he's as funny in person as as he is on television <laughs> great guy loves to fish you know most people don't know what a what a passionate angler he is and, and he came to us because of our relationship with Huey Lewis you know, most people don't know Huey lives in Montana on a on a trout stream. Fantastic fisherman. The guy is really a, an amazing flycaster. So one leads to the other, and and now we've got some other folks. Tom Brokaw hosts this series for us. You know, Tom's an old friend. He's got a beautiful ranch in Montana. I've I've hunted on his place and fished on his place in Montana, and he's been to my place in Montana. I've got a place as well up there, and. So yeah, we uh, you know my 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 twins think everybody wakes up in the morning and looks at the Rocky Mountains because we've got a place in Colorado, obviously, and then in, in Montana. I said, well, it's not quite like this everywhere in the country. I know. I mean, it's amazing. So you've got you've got two mini me's I hear at home. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it depends on which day, which one's the closest. But there's there's no denying the <laughs> the DNA relationship. That's for sure. How old are they? They're ten. They're, They're 10. ten, going on about sixteen, seventeen, something oh, like that. Oh wow. So this yeah. must be a fun time because actually what dad does is pretty cool. You know, it is fun and they're getting into the outdoor sports and we'll go floating down the rivers in Montana and, you know, we have moose that'll come into our yards in Montana. We have mule deer that come into our yard. We live just outside of Denver. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun place to be. We love the West. We love the heartland. The people that are connected to us here in this business, 
you know, a lot of them come from New York and they come from, from LA. A lot of them have families and they say, we just want to get out. We want a little space. You know, mm -hmm. we want, we want a lifestyle that's more conducive to a family kind of being together and they love to ski. We do a lot of our best recruiting, frankly, during the ski season. So <laughs> it's a little secret out here, but Denver's really become quite a hub. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing kind of reality television production hub right now. And, and, uh, Lots of companies doing very well. A lot of people moving out here. Of course, you've got Dish based here. You've got uh, Liberty Media, parent of Discovery Internationals, uh, QB based here in Denver. So a lot of people didn't know that, but it's actually a much bigger television center. Comcast has a huge production uplink center here as well. So it's uh, it's a good place to be, great place to live, and obviously uh, a, a lot of qualified talent in this market. Yeah, so uh, like your 130 plus employees are they're based in, uh, in Denver with you. Right. So, so very good. So when you talk to your 10-year-olds about success and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, I guess if you could tell your younger self, I love the quote. If you could maybe share that quote with us, the quote about perspiration. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not inspiration. It's perspiration that really is the, the difference, I think, in success. And, and we've had that conversation many times. And, and my wife and I, my wife's very active in the business as well. We grew up very modestly, Midwest, uh, myself, Midwest upbringing. She's from Virginia, very middle class. And, and so, you know, we knew what it was like to work and, and see parents work hard and, and dedicate. And, and so I think that's as much as anything. But it's with success, what are you, what are you doing to give back, right? Part of the, the big American dream is, is giving back, I think. And that's the... That's the uh, real differentiator between this country, I think, and so many other countries. That's one of the key. You know, we're we're a generous nation, and when you have success, you you need to give back. You need to help others. You need to mentor others. So it's really fun to, uh, you know, it's fun to have those conversations. And we also talk about ideas. You know, business ideas. I'm taking him to school in the morning, and you know, one son loves these little Hot Wheels cars, and he would he will paint them in in custom designs for some of his friends at school that will pay him five bucks or something for a custom paint wow. job paint and he sells them back and I said okay well what's your margin on that and <laughs> buy those in bulk so you can get a price so you now what happens if you have competition coming in so it's always fun to, to just get them about, right? <laughs> yeah, so having these marketing debates with a 10 year old so it's a good time that's wonderful <laughs> and do you, do you incorporate them into your work right now you know, we, we haven't done a lot of that. We did a series out here called Ultimate Sportsman's Lodge where we built up a beautiful place and they were part of, you know, the family that we were we were showing on camera and things like that. Um, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, they're pretty good on camera. It's, it's interesting. We've turned cameras on them and they just turn it on. I, you know, I don't know where they get that. There's I no wonder way. where. <laughs> have you been on camera besides, um, you know, I know you were doing publishing, but have you been in front of the camera? Yeah, you know, I, I've hosted a, a, a series on NBC Sports versus an, an outdoor channel with a friend by the name of Gerald McCraney. You might know that name. He was major dad on CBS. Uh, he's in the House of Cards with Kevin Spacey right now and just did a, a big film with, uh, oh gosh, well, he's actually on TNT right now with Sharon Stone and Agent X. And anyway, he's an old friend and and we've been in the uh, the outdoor game, hunting and fishing together. And his uh, cohort on Simon and Simon is an old friend. He was in my wedding, Jameson Parker. And uh, so, yeah, we we've hosted a show. We've been around the world in outdoor adventures, and it's been a lot of fun. It's it's uh, as much as I can justify. I still have to focus on running the business here, but it's a 
it's sort of a guilty pleasure to get out once in a while and have a good time in the outdoors. Yeah, I'm sure your wife has loved that you're able to turn your hobby into a career. Because I would love this happen to my husband. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because we we uh, we eat a lot of wild game, a lot of venison, a lot of ducks and pheasants and quail and things like that. And she's become quite an amazing chef, actually. Really? She's a very good cook. Gourmet meals. We'll have friends over that have never never eaten anything in their lives of wild game and and they'll have no idea what it is, and they just rave over it. Then, of course, you tell them what it is, and they can't believe it's that good. Okay, so but, Chris, this is a show. I feel like this is a show here. Yeah, right. It's uh, you know we're a, we're a one family focus group, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, incredible, incredible. Well, let's talk about. So this is you know I'm going to incorporate some of this into my Forbes piece. So I need to talk about a little bit of uh, financial background on this. So we're not going to go too deep, but um, as an entrepreneur. How do you make sure that you can take a career leap like you've done uh, from going from publishing over to creating your own production house? Well, I don't know if you're ever certain. I think you know people say, oh, entrepreneurs are all about taking risk. I think entrepreneurs are really all about mitigating risk, frankly. And, and so when you do your homework and say, all right, can I, can I bank on this relationship over here to get something moving? Do I feel strongly enough about you know, this concept over here that we can take it forward, do I want to invest? So every day in our development process, we're always evaluating new talent, new concept, you know, new network relationships. And uh, so it, so it's fun to kind of get inside of that. But I think as you do this and you make a lot of mistakes in business, you get smarter and smarter and smarter. Not that you're the brightest person in the room. You just learn from your mistakes. And if you're around long enough, you've made most of the mistakes. So hopefully you can you can fast track past that. But I think it's it's really having a good sense of researching what it is you're doing and understanding is the time right for a concept is and I find timing is really the big deal it's it's you can have a great idea but if it's not the right time for it whether it's a business startup or it's a TV concept doesn't really matter but I think you know also we look at it as reality factual not you follow producers in the competitive set with scripted programming and you know, there's a lot of buzz about well, scripted's you know the big swing and lives longer, and and uh, and yet you look at the dollars on that and you say, all right, for three to four hundred thousand dollars, I can give you an hour of of reality factual programming that might cost you you know two to four million dollars on the scripted side. Wow. And so as a network, you know they've got to be careful. Those are big swings, and if they don't work, it's it's problematic for them. Those are those are challenges, and in many cases, you've got reality programming at those price points that are surpassing the ratings of the two to four million dollar scripted series so so it's a very interesting time and, and it's kind of fun to, to see where it's all going and, and so our job is to kind of always stay abreast of that and like any other business we want to know you know can we see around corners what's happening yeah, and that's my question to you. I mean, given that we know millennials are, are unlike any generation we've seen, how, have you made any business changes in preparation for millennials? Yeah, you know, again, I think conceptually, you know, we're bringing millennials into our development process. So it's not just, uh, you know, my age bracket and, and older, a little bit younger, making decisions on that, but we're, we're bringing them into the room to have a voice. And I think culturally what we're trying to do in the company is make sure it's not a top-down approach to development. So we've got people out in the field, and, and we're just culturally pushing our development creative process to everybody in the field, from a, 
a sound person to a videographer to whatever, if somebody is out there keeping their eyes and ears open for what could be really fun talent or new and fresh space. So I think I think it's really important that we don't just keep it in one room, that we push it out. And uh, and it's all age brackets. You know, it's not just, uh, gee, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's other folks at millennial ages and, and, and otherwise that do as well. I know even your kids and my kids are a little bit younger than your kids. They're just so attracted to the programs that you're talking about. And as a parent, I feel comfortable with them watching it because that's it just feels like it's, it's a quality production without you having to, to make it such. Right? Yeah, and I, and I think also just kind of what happens to the content that we're developing for linear television and how can we, how can we take that to other platforms and digital and, and monetize that? How can we help partners, network partners, brand partners? partners do that as well. So it's, yeah, it's all part of the dialogue right now that we didn't have five years ago, I can assure you of that. So how much does social media come into play into what to, what you do each and every day? You know, it's it's uh, more and more the request of the network is to create content as you're producing television concepts and, and linear programs to feed that other pipeline, that other pipeline that is, is very important. Um, so it's, it's there for sure. We have brand clients. We've got a branded division. We work a lot with automotives, et cetera, on branded content, and they're very aggressive about it. I mean, they, they certainly are pushing that at every level, and uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's becoming just part of the, the standard operating business procedure at this point. I mean, it's not like there's any surprise you're going to need that kind of content for a different platform. Mm -hmm. You want to keep it in alignment. So we, we do strategy with brands as well when it comes to how to harness the power of the video medium, whether it's linear, digital, and, and uh, social and so we get them in alignment as they build content for a linear television program. How do we also simultaneously build content for the other platforms that is in sync? It's the same kind of DNA. It's the same execution. The, the, the celebrity talent or the talent in the program is linked together. So it doesn't matter which platform you view that on. You know exactly what you're looking at and how they're tied together. So strategy is all part of it. I think it's more and more important that we as producers be active in that process. Very good. So what's what's on the pipeline for? What do you kind of see the puck going? Which direction? What do you see you working on in the future? You know, again, I, I think it's these big trends that are out there, and, and we're developing in these big trends, and, and uh, we've got some fun stuff working, you know, in, in the security space. Uh, again, I think people are, you know, they, again, they just want certainty in uncertain times. And what does that look like to the average American, and how does that manifest into you know, community organizations coming together to support the police, to enhance what the police do, and and how do they get trained themselves to stay safe? How do they keep? How do they create uh, security zones for their kids at school? In addition to traveling to and from school and work to the home, you know, and mm -hmm. and so we're looking at that. We've got a lot of connections in that space with security experts, so we're kind of looking at some personalities that could be fun there. Um, you know, again, the whole downsizing thing and, and how people are, are looking at living with less and being happier because of it. It isn't, it isn't the stuff you have at the end of the day that's going to make you happy. Exactly. We've got lots of evidence of, of how the two don't correlate. Mm -hmm. It's really about the simplicity and focusing on what's important. And, I, you know, other things we're looking at are, you know, Cuba is a big deal for us right now. I went down right after Cuba opened up and spent some time in Havana throughout Cuba we took a camera person down there, and we had to go through the permitting process. It's very difficult still to film in Cuba. People think, well, you just show up now. Everything's fine, and, and no, that's not quite the case. <laughs> so 
we're close to a really fun concept, I think, down there. We're going to be taking it out very soon. That's different than other things that have been pitched in Cuba. Um, so, yeah, again, just looking at those big and, – and what's our brand, right? I mean, we're really good at sort of heartland sensibilities and sensitivities and and how to translate that for the coast. And let's remember, a lot of people that live on the coast today also came from the heartland, you know? And so there's a kind of a instinctive connection there, I think, that really hasn't been exploited to, to a great extent on television. So we're, we're looking at that. It's so fascinating to me because I think as, as our – society gets more and more advanced, actually your target audience just gets bigger and bigger. Because I know like this past weekend, I spent in the mountains and I was actually grateful that there was no cell signal because then you could just focus on really just time with your family. And you're actually letting us have that outlet just by turning on television. It'll be interesting to see because Elon Musk and I know everybody, everybody wants to get off the grid, which is just going to be making what you do even more impactful. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I think there, there's something called, and I certainly didn't coin this, but there's something called nature deficit disorder, which is really manifest in our kids and our relationship with our kids. And and getting people outdoors is, a, is an amazing thing. I mean, it's it's amazing what happens with families when they can, they can be outdoors together, do something, something simple, whether it's a canoeing or camping or fishing or whatever it is, just something simple together. And just connecting with, there's a healing power out there. We do a series called Grateful Nation, which is interesting. We've done it now, I think, for seven seven seasons. Started on ESPN, um, and then it went to uh, the Versus Network and NBC Sports, and, and it's uh, now on Outdoor Channel. But we take wounded vets on their dream outdoor experience. These are folks that have come back, and they've got you know missing limbs. <laughs> excuse me, missing limbs. They've got PTSD issues. And there's a lot of them. And we take them outdoors, and it's hosted by Tim Abel, the actor, star of Soldier of Fortune. He's, he's become this great spokesman, really, for the entire vet community. But it's amazing in the span that we have these folks outdoor fish, outdoors fishing or hunting or something, the people that come around them that celebrate their service and pick them up and, and say thanks. And, and uh, it's really a powerful show because it's got such big emotion and it's what we wish we could all do. But it's one of those things when you do these kinds of shows, you feel really good about the fact that you're in television, right? Because you're, you're holding up a mirror to the audience basically saying you could do this for a vet that you might know of. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a family member. Mm -hmm. And get them out there but connect in the outdoors and watch the healing power take over. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that is incredible. Well, Chris, is there anything that we left off that you'd like to share with us? No, I really think that's that's about it. I mean, I think you know other other big things that we're looking at are sort of this home business opportunity. There's an awful lot of folks. I mean, what do we have? Fifteen to twenty percent of the, the folks unemployed or underemployed in America right now. Um, you know, and that's not a political statement. That's just a fact. So what's happening then is we're seeing a lot of different things going on in the business startup. Entrepreneurial thinking is different now than it was fifteen even 10 years ago. And so people are saying, you know, I can do the Airbnb thing. I can, mm -hmm. I can turn my backyard into a weekend restaurant. You know, I can do these things that, and it's happening all over the country. So that's a space again that we're looking at that uh, really is burgeoning right now. I just wrote a book on it. I'll have to send it to you <laughs> well, on the exact topic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a huge trend. It's probably going to get greater because we want life balance and balance is being able to work from home, surrounded by your kids and to be able to work anywhere, right? We could be in Alaska and working. 
Amen. Yeah, we yeah. could do a show on you. That's, uh, that's, that's the deal right there. He's so kind. Well, it's been amazing. I actually can't wait to meet you in person. I'm going to have to do a trip out there to come see you. <laughs> We'd love to have you, Winnie. Congrats yeah. on all your success. Oh, you too as well. And if you're ever in Southern California, let's do lunch because I really want right, to get to know you. Let's do lunch. All right. I'll have my people call your people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can call me anytime.